Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Here we started a series called Signs. And so as you're giving, if you'll pay attention to the screens, there's a video that might help lay some groundwork for us. Watch this carefully. My son and daughter-in-law were expecting their first children, twins, identical twin girls. And they weren't very far into the pregnancy, I think about 20, 24 weeks, and my daughter-in-law began having some problems. Now I have to give the doctors credit, they waited as long as they could, hoping that things would improve, that things would get better. And finally I got a phone call at 3 o'clock one morning, and they were going to take the babies, they had no choice. My miracle started in May of 2005. I was diagnosed with a um, aggressive breast cancer. I had surgery and then we went on to the chemotherapy. And then in de uh, January of 2006, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure due to the drug that I had been taking for cancer. So they took the babies and I got a second phone call telling me that one weighed one and a half pounds and one weighed one pound. The one pound name was Madison. Saturday afternoon I was out at the mall and got a phone call and was told that we had lost Madison, the smaller of the two babies, the one that weighed one pound. And Caitlin, the other one, was having a lot of problems. And she was, boy, just touch and go up and down for the next six months. A lot of problems. Several times the doctors called my kids in and said, you need to make plans. We've done all we can do. I went to a cardiologist and with proper medication, he felt that it might get better. And time came where the doctors called the kids in again and said, look, we've done all we can. You need to make plans. And my son said, well, if we're going to lose her, we would like to hold her. And at that time, she had one chest tube in her left lung and three in her right lung. So the doctors took out the chest tube in her left lung, and the next morning they did an x-ray, and she was better. So then they removed an, another chest tube out of her right lung, and she continued to get a little better. My heart with the medication got 50% better. They eventually took out all of the chest tubes and she improved and in a few days was able to come home. And to my knowledge, she has not been back in the hospital as a patient since. She's now seven years old. It's been five years and I feel this miracle is continuing. During all this time, the prayer warriors here were working double time, double time and overtime. They really got on their knees for us and prayed hard, prayed hard for a miracle, and God answered and delivered that miracle. We have been talking about signs. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus challenged us at one moment in John chapter 14 and in Mark chapter 16. He challenged us 
but also at the same time gave us a glimpse into our inheritance and into our promise. In John chapter 14, you will remember that Jesus made this statement. He said, you will do greater things than I am doing right now. We have bought this lie that as believers that we are only operating in the natural when the reality is, is as a follower, as a believer in Christ, as a disciple, that we should be taking and gaining access to the supernatural. That everywhere we go, we should be looking over our shoulders and seeing supernatural things taking place behind us because in Mark chapter 16, the Bible declares boldly that when we are walking this walk out, that signs will follow us, right? And so we are told that that should take place, that the places that we walk, where we live our lives, we should be seeing these signs following us, not for our own glory, but to validate what we say. Mark chapter 16 tells us to go and preach in all the world, make disciples of all men. And as we do that, signs will follow us because those signs validate what we're saying. Nobody believes because we don't have anything validating what we're saying. And so we've been looking at this challenge, and I, I've been trying to teach you some lessons about signs. We've examined uh, two of Jesus' uh, miracles. We've examined two examples of when he was walking on this earth, that signs followed him, and we've learned some things. You'll remember that one of the lessons we learned is that sometimes you have to go out of your way to get what you need. You can't always do what you've always done and get something different. That's insanity. Sometimes you need to go out of your way to get what you need. I told you that we cannot uh, allow a put-off to result in a walk-off because a lot of times God says wait and we misinterpret the word wait for no and we walk away and take matters into our own hands. But when Jesus says wait, we can hang on and wait on his word. I told you that we could take Jesus at his word. Remember that? We can bank on Jesus' word. The Bible declares that God sends his word with an assignment, and when it goes out with an assignment, he guards it or watches over his word, and it always performs its assigned duty. So we can take his word to the bank and believe what he said. We can talk about the fact, we've talked about the fact that, um, uh, and, uh, and this was last week, that we need to become amazed again at the authority that we have access to. Right When we start talking about Jesus and the uh, miracle working power of Jesus, we recognize the fact that we have great access to the authority of God's word and power and we need to be amazed by that again because I am convinced that we under-communicate the authority of God because we are under-amazed by the authority of God. And so when we pray for people, we pray like this, Oh Lord, if you, want, you, know, if you possibly could, if you don't have anything else on your schedule today, if it wouldn't put you out too much, would you please, possibly, I beg of you, please, please, instead of recognizing that we have authority in the name of Jesus and the Bible declares that when we speak the name of Jesus, demons tremble and sickness falls off and walls fall down and breakthrough takes place, we need to access the authority that we've been given again. Then I challenged you last week that we need to silence the voice of the enemy. He roars like a lion, but he's not the lion. And we need to silence him again. 
And then I told you that we cannot become comfortable with sickness and we cannot become comfortable with addictions and we cannot become comfortable with our issues because we were not destined to live that way. So today I want us to move into another moment when Jesus' life was marked by a miracle or a sign. Now I will tell you that we're beginning to see that happen here. Uh, Mike was telling me that a couple of weeks ago we prayed for one of the ladies in our church that's been having shoulder issues, uh, real pain, and she was thinking about having to go to the hospital, the doctor, to find out what's going on. We prayed with her two weeks later, no shoulder pain. That's a sign, amen? That's what we're talking about, that those things should follow us. We don't follow signs. Signs follow us. And so this is an instance in Jesus' life where his life was marked by a sign. It's found in two locations. I'm going to read it out of one and just summarize the other. Same scenario. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and also in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus came down the mountain with the cheers of the crowd still ringing in his ears. Then a leper appeared and went to his knees before Jesus, praying, Master, if you want to, you can heal my body. And Jesus reached out and touched him, saying, I want to be clean. Then and there all the signs of leprosy were gone, and Jesus said, Don't talk about this all over town. Just quietly present your healed body to the priest, along with the appropriate expressions of thanks to God. Your cleansed and grateful life, not your words, will bear witness to what I've done. I'm not going to read out of the, mar- the, the account in Mark. It's the same account, but there's an addition in that text in Mark that I think is uh, very important for you to understand and to hear. The only addition, the only change is that Mark says, That when this man approached Jesus, Mark says it like this, Jesus was deeply moved. I think that's an important addition. We'll talk about that in a second. A couple lessons that I want us to learn from here. If we're going to see signs following us, we must learn these lessons. The first thing I want to say to you this morning, and it's not going to make sense when I first say it, I'll explain it. We need to get off the mountain. All right, that's the first thing. If we want to see signs then we need to get off the mountain. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I read to you out of Matthew chapter 8 where the Bible says that Jesus comes down the mountain with the cheers of the crowd ringing in his ears. And so as I was reading that, I said, Lord, why were the people cheering for Jesus? And why were they shouting his name? And why must they have been applauding for him? What happened on that mountain? And so I had to go back and do my homework. And I backed up to Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7 and discovered that the reason that Jesus was on the mountain is in Matthew 5 through 7, he is preaching a sermon that we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason that the people were cheering for him and the reason that people were clapping for him was that in in the course of this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, that was the pinnacle of all preaching. They had just heard the greatest sermon that mankind has ever heard. In fact, if you go and study it out, any commentary, any theologian, any world leader worth their weight will tell you that the pinnacle of all preaching preaching that you heard 20 years ago or preaching that you will hear in 20 years comes, can't even tie the shoes, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount because it was the pinnacle. It was the greatest moment of preaching. It was the greatest sermon that mankind has ever or will ever hear because in that moment, Jesus speaks out the kingdom laws and he brings them to earth and he lays them before the people through preaching. And they are so amazed. They suddenly recognize his anointing. They suddenly recognize his depth. They suddenly recognize the unbelievable things that they are hearing. It set the whole kingdom 
into motion on planet earth and it set the kingdom that was in place on its ear it turned everything upside down and in that moment they are awestruck by what they heard it changed their life and so when he finishes preaching they begin to clap and they begin to cheer and they begin to root for him because of the depth of what he's saying and so the bible says that after this happens and they're cheering for him jesus comes down the mountain and he can still hear their cheering in their ears and then interesting, now stay with me. At that very moment, a leper approaches Jesus and kneels at his feet. Now you got to get the picture. A leper would equate for our scenario, if you will, as an AIDS patient. Comes and approaches Jesus. Now, now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, Here's what it means to me. I am convinced that most of us don't like to come off the mountain. We like to camp out on top of the mountain. I am convinced that for most of us, if we had had that kind of encounter where we're at the pinnacle of our success, we're at the pinnacle of our ministry, we've done the greatest ministry we've ever done, we would have stayed there. But Jesus came down and has a face-to-face -face encounter with a leper. You say, well, what does that mean for us? I believe this is what it means for us, for those of us that take time week after week to come and worship God together. If we are not careful, what we do is we make what happens in here the pinnacle and we say we're finished. Uh, let me put it like this. We sing on the worship team, and we sang the best we've ever sung. And in our mind, we go, man, I just experienced the greatest use of my gift that I've ever experienced before. I am finished. I am done. I am on the mountain. I'm not coming off. I am done until next Sunday. I have ushed better this week than I've ever ushed before. Y'all figure that out here in a minute. That means you, I've ushed better than I could have ever ushed before. And so now that is my mountaintop experience. I mean, it was like synchronized ushing. I mean, all the plates went out. And then we're amazed. And people are cheering, you're a great usher. Good job. That was awesome. And, and we're done. I've given to the man when the usher went by I put so much money in that bucket that they had to go borrow wheelbarrows to get it out of here that was the greatest moment of my life it's a mountain experience everybody around me is in awe look at all that money that they, that was my mountain and I'm done until next Sunday I'm convinced of this I'm convinced that at the moment we have our mountaintop experiences that Jesus is bent on bringing us people that need to be touched See, I'm convinced of this. If we're not careful, we will, we will confine and constrain signs to in here. And once we experience those in here, when we're done with our worship and we're done with our dance and we're done with our giving and we're done with whatever, all the things that we do as good Christians and pat ourselves on the back and cheer for one another and I like the way you did it today and I feel good about myself. If we are not careful, we will walk out those doors and sick people and broken people and devastated people will come into contact with us and we will go, I'm finished. I've already given my gift. See, Jesus on the greatest day of his ministry, the best display of his gift, he leaves the church, if you will, and continues to minister. And what I want to say to you this morning is that I believe that Jesus will send folks to you who need a sign as you leave this building. And if you say that signs can only happen in here, then broken people will go through life broken with no hope because you left your signs in here. 
the thing that I love about Jesus and that I want us to emulate was that he was at church all the time. He never took time off. He never said, this is my day off. I don't have to be a Christian today. I don't have to be concerned about anybody else's needs today. I don't have to reach out today. I don't have to touch anybody today. He never took any of that time off. He was always on. He was always sensitive. He was always aware of people around him that were hurt. I need you to wake up and recognize that you cannot compartmentalize church and the rest of your life. It all flows together. And you can't just be sensitive when you're in here. You've got to be sensitive when you're out there. And you've got to take the gifts that you use in here and use them out there. Well, I prayed for people in church today. I don't. I can't pray for anybody else the rest of the week. That's baloney. If there was ever anybody that needed to be prayed for, it's people out there. So we have got to get off the mountain, plug our ears to the cheers, and go out and recognize that at the moment, the highest pinnacle of our, our day, our life, our Christian experience, at that moment, Jesus will send us somebody that needs to be touched. And that's the second lesson, and that is this. We need to learn to touch again. We don't understand leprosy. Uh, the, the closest I can get in this day and age is AIDS because we're so petrified of it and don't understand it. Let, let me, if I can, to try to explain this man's condition. You need to understand that he lived an isolated life. He was totally abandoned. He was feared. A leper could not even have interaction with his own family. In fact, the only way that if, if I was a leper, the only way that I could uh, have any interaction with my own family is I would be able to stand on a hill at a great distance and watch down and watch my boys play football and watch my boys play baseball. I couldn't be an assistant coach. I couldn't sit in the dugout. couldn't sit in the stands. I could watch from a great distance. I wasn't even allowed to holler at them, and they would not be allowed to holler a greeting back for fear that it would cause me to be so moved that I would run to them or them to be so moved that they would run to me. We were co totally and completely cut off. No weddings, no funerals, no birthday parties isolated a leper walking down the sidewalk if you were walking the other direction when the leper saw you he was obligated by Jewish law to begin to yell I'm unclean I'm unclean I'm unclean and what he would watch to his own horror is that when people would see him coming they would literally cross the street to get away from him those of you that have encountered prejudice in your life understand a little bit about what it's like to be a leper People moving rows to keep from sitting next to you. People going out of their way not to interact with you. That was his life. That was his existence. He couldn't worship. Not like we worship. They would have church, and what they would do with the lepers is they would place them behind a wall outside the synagogue where they could sit behind the wall and try to listen in, but nobody could see them and nobody could touch them. That's a great worship experience, isn't it? Why don't we start doing that here next week? I'll just pick one of you randomly. We'll stick you in a classroom somewhere and pipe the music in so you can listen to it there. We'll make sure everybody leaves the building before we let you out. That's what it was like. People would literally pick up rocks and throw it at lepers to keep them away. It's a great life. Josephus tells us, he's a Jewish historian, he tells us that lepers were considered dead men. Luke tells us the same account in his writings, and he makes this statement about this, this man. He says that leprosy covered him. 
That means that leprosy had impacted his facial features. That means that leprosy had extended to his hands and his arms and his feet and his legs. I, I, I could find pictures and show them to you, but it's lunchtime. You wouldn't be able to eat if I showed you the devastation of leprosy. His face was falling off. He was a mass from head to toe of bleeding ulcers, oozing ulcers. It was a nasty condition. What we do in our own mind when we start talking about leprosy is we clean it up. What I see in my own mind is a man in a nice, neat little robe came and kneeled at Jesus' feet and just needed a touch from Jesus. But you need to recognize that when he approached Jesus, he was living in his own nastiness. No shower, no bath, no salve, no medicine, a nasty condition. He kneels at Jesus' feet, totally and completely rejected, an outcast socially, an outcast spiritually, an outcast in every way. And Jesus touched him. The precedent had already been set. I've told you this miracle. You will remember that the centurion runs to Jesus 12 hours at least away from his own home and says, my son is sick. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke a word and never even entered his house. But with one word, the, the son was Completely made whole. So the precedent had been set. Jesus could have spoken one word. He didn't have to touch him. In fact, he would have been justified not to touch him. Because do you recognize that at the moment that Jesus laid his hands on that mass of leprosy, at that very moment, he becomes an outcast too because now he is unclean and now he cannot go into the synagogue and now he can't interact with the disciples and now he can't have any interaction with his family. He's an outcast, but Jesus touched him anyway. What I am saying to you this morning is this. We have got to come back to this place. That if signs are going to follow us, then we have got to come to this place where we are willing to touch folks that are untouchable. I wonder if we've become so isolated and so sin conscious that we have now become so paranoid of the contagiousness of sin that we no longer are convinced that God can protect us and heal them. I don't want anybody messed up like that to come to our church. Uh, let me break it down. We don't want no drug babies coming here and us have to let our kids hang around with other. And I am calling us to allow the Jesus that is in us to rise up. And if he was deeply moved by the condition of this man, then certainly we've got to come back to this place where the compassion of Christ rises up in us and we are moved to get out of our comfort zone and our confined spaces and our cleaned up little world and go out there and touch AIDS patients and go out there and hang out with druggies and go out there and hang out with broken people. We spend more energy on ignoring their sickness than we spend on trying to solve their sickness. Jesus touched. I wonder if this man thought he touched me. Nobody else had touched him. That's the real miracle in this story if you want to know the truth. 
The real miracle is that Jesus was even willing to touch him. I am declaring to you this morning that I am releasing you to go outside these four walls and begin to touch folks. Their sickness might not fall off instantly. They may not even know they need a touch. We've got folks around us that are so jacked up in sin that they're convinced that that is normal. They may not even recognize that they need to be touched. This man didn't ask to be touched. He asked to be healed. They may not even know they need you to touch them. I am releasing you to go outside these four walls and begin to touch people again and so that they can experience the compassion of Christ. See, I, I, I'm, I'm worried. I, I think that as Christians what has happened is we become more known for what we're against than what we're for. I, I read a story a couple months ago about a church. I don't even know what state they were in, but they were... Listen, I'm all for, for up, uh, standing up for righteousness. Y'all know that. I, I'm pretty black and white. Uh, I'll tell you, if, if, it, if it's a sin in the Bible, it's a sin. But we are called to hate the sin and not the sinner. And this church went out and picketed a gay pride march. But they flipped it. On their signs, they wrote, God loves you. Instead of what we normally write, which is God hates you and you're going to hell. And they wrote... On their signs, please forgive our church for hating you. They rub shoulders with these folks that we want to throw rocks at. Interesting thing happened. The compassion that they showed arrested people that were living in a sinful lifestyle. And they begin to show up at their church and say, what's different about you? Some of you walk by folks in cubicles all day long that the miracle that they need is contained in your touch. Jesus touch the contact produced the cure. Perhaps we don't see any signs because we are unwilling to touch the untouchable. I want to tell you something this morning. You can spend all week long touching folks that are whole and nobody will get well. Nobody will get a miracle. Nobody will get a sign. Because if you touch whole people, listen, they're not going to get wholer. I know that's not a word. Wholer, right? They're already whole. But if you would reach out to people that are broken and their marriage is falling apart and their kids are acting the fool and you don't, they, they, they're, they're at wit's end and there's an addiction in their life, you are called as a follower of Christ to contact those people. Hold your right hand out. We're going we're gonna to fix this right here. I've been told that uh, a lot of people think this. I guess I thought it too, man. If I'm going to have healing power, like Jesus said I was going to have, there's going to be this burning sensation just going to come up my arm and my hand. Right. Ooh. Y'all seen that before. All right. It's your hand. All right. The access that we have is the authority of heaven. God is saying, I give you authority. It comes through our natural hands. But at the moment I reach out and touch somebody that's broken, it becomes supernatural. Come on, touch your neighbor right now. Supernatural. Well, that ain't freaky enough for me. I need some freaky stuff. That ain't, we don't, why are we so freaky? The greatest miracle is that we're willing to touch people that nobody else will touch. We used to sing this song. I, I think we ought to bring it back. I think we got to rock it up a little bit. But we used to sing this old hymn, He Touched Me. He Touched Me. And oh, the joy 
that floods my soul. Y'all remember that song? My only concern with that is we become so focused on the fact that he touched us that we actually believe that God was playing freeze tag. And so we go, he touched me, but I'm frozen now, bro. I'm sitting in my chair. I got mine. You can go to hell in a handbasket. I don't care. Go in your sickness. Be addicted the rest of your life. I am frozen. I got what I needed. Don't ask me to touch nobody. I ain't it. Listen, we have forgotten that those that are touched are called to touch. If you've been tagged in, baby, you're it. And at that moment, you've got to get up off your blessed assurance and go out there and touch somebody because God is wanting to extend his love from heaven. How does he get it from there to them? Through us. So I love people that nobody else will love. I will go out and eat with people that nobody else will go out and eat with. I will hang out and let my kids hang out. Quit being afraid of the kid in the apartment. My kid's going to hang out with them because what is in my kid is greater than what is in them, and it's going to rub off. I'm not afraid that the sickness is going to rub off on them. I'm afraid that they might just fall in love with Jesus when my little boy wraps his arms around him and loves on him. We become afraid to touch. Who have you touched lately? Y'all don't even like to be touched yourself. Look at you. Some of you, you you got all this room, and some of you put six chairs between you because we want our space. That is symptomatic of the fact that we don't like to touch anymore. I am releasing you to come in here, have a mountaintop experience, but I'm kicking you out of these doors and saying, get off the mountain and take what is in you and release it through contact. And the last thing I'll share and I'll be done, famous last words of a preacher, three words, perhaps the three most powerful words that Jesus has ever and will ever speak. I want you to hear me this morning. With three words, Jesus reveals God's heart. With three words, he brings hope from that day to this day. With three words. This man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I can't even hide my sickness. I'm so sick. Y'all ever met anybody like that? He says, I am so messed up. I can't even. And then he makes this statement. If you will, you can heal me. Catch this now. Catch this. Catch this. Three words. Three words. And Jesus said, I want See, if we had a God that had all the ability to heal and all the ability to set free, and if we had a God that had the ability to restore marriages and to restore finances and to restore hope and restore dreams, but he didn't want to, then he's no good. If we had a God that had the ability to do all that and had no means of doing so, this statement this morning. This is the heart of God, not only for those folks out there, but for you this morning. I want to. Because see, some of you sitting in here right now have brought your broken marriage to God over and over and over again, and you've said to him, if you want to, you could heal this, and you don't really think he wants to anymore. I need you to hear him respond one more time. I want. 
Some of you have children that you've prayed over and prayed over to heal. Some of you have children that have acted the fool and they've caused you grief and heartache and you're not sure that God can rescue them. I'm asking you and begging you to bring them back to God one more time. Kneel at his feet and say, if you want to, and he will look at you and say, I want to. Some of you have got financial issues and you're at wit's end and you don't know what you're going to do. And you need to hear God say, I want to. Close your eyes with me this morning. This is between you and God. What is it that you would ask God to fix in your life? For some of you, it's an addiction. For some of you, it's long, pain, long time pain. For some of you, it's an experience you've had. You're hurt, whatever it is. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your fi- I don't know what it is. You know I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to tell us all because we can't do anything about it. But under your breath, in your own mind, in your own spirit, would you just right now, as if you were saying it audibly but to yourself, would you just tell Jesus, what you need him and want him to fix. Father, I pray that right now, if never before and never again, I pray that right now, that as I speak three words, I pray that what these folks sitting under the sound of my voice would hear is not my voice. I pray that they would hear your voice. Do you have it in your mind, that thing that you need Jesus to fix? Then I want you to hear Jesus' reply this morning, right now. I want to. I want to. I long to. I have a deep desire to do what you're asking me to do. Father, I pray that that truth would give us hope again. I come against a lie that you don't want to help us. I come against any lie that we've bought that will always be like we are. I come against the lie of the enemy that teaches us that that nothing is going to change. I pray right now that instead the words of Jesus would catch us. I pray that we would catch this phrase, but more importantly, I pray that this phrase would catch us, that we would recognize that not only do you have the ability to change our lives, you actually have a deep desire to do so. Because you love us and you're concerned for us. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? I grow concerned because I think some of us actually believe that he doesn't care anymore. He wants to. Are you with me? Do you understand what that means for us? Come on, we're going to do it like this. On the count of three, would you say he wants to with me? One, two, three. He wants to. 
trying to let that sink in for somebody here this morning. I, I, I need a, I need a mate. Guess what? He wants to. I need to know what your plan for me is. Guess what? He wants to. I need an issue resolved in my life. Sickness that I'm tired of battling. Good news. He wants to. I'm exhausted. I've given all my energy, all my strength. I've done all I know to do, and there's no solution. In fact, the solution is years and years away, and I see no light at the end of the tunnel. Guess what? Good news this morning. I came to encourage you this morning. He wants to. There's a flip side of that quickly. That is the great message that we have to take out of here. Not that I can make any change, not that you can make any change, but the people that you're going to come into contact with when you go to the restaurant this afternoon, you've got great news to share. And it is this. He wants to. So how do we get his want to to take place? Us. How do we get the want to that is somewhere out there that we call heaven, that we how do we get the power of God that wants to change people's lives to actually change people's lives? Me. You. Contact produces cure. I wonder how long has it been since you touched somebody? We're going to do that right now. Some of you are standing next to folks that have hidden sickness in them. They're not like this leper. They've been able to hide their sickness. They look cleaned up because we, we all know how to clean up to come to church. Some of you are standing next to folks whose lives are broken and devastated and they are literally at wit's end and they don't know what to do. And I just came to tell you that it's time to come off the mountain. It's time to touch somebody again and let the want to of Jesus flow to them. Come on, reach out right now and touch your neighbor. Lay that hand on them. I doubt you'll feel a burning sensation. You may not even get a goosebump. But as long as they get the miracle of a touch, who cares? Father, right now we touch our brothers and our sisters. Believing that as a point of contact, we touch and agree right now. We believe as a point of contact that as we touch one another, your healing power, your breakthrough power, your deliverance, your, your grace-giving power, any, your, your provision, all of the things that they need, that at that moment, this point of contact, as a conduit. It's not us, it's you. We release the want to into their lives right now. I release want to. Come on, just say that over them. He wants to. Come on, say that over them right now. He wants to. Whatever you've been crying out for, believing for, He wants to. Whatever it is you need right now, He wants to. Whatever hope you need, He wants to. Whatever destiny you need, He wants to. Whatever breakthrough you need, He wants to right now. I release the want to in my brothers and my sisters right now. And if nobody else will touch you and nobody else will have anything to do with you and nobody else will rub shoulders with you, then all you got to do is call me because I am released to touch again. Use us, I pray.
God, I bless my people today, and I ask you that what you would do is now this. I pray that as they walk out these doors today, you would rec- they would recognize that it's time to come off the mountain. It's time to take the touch that they've experienced, and they are it. They are the ones being sent forth by your Son to contact people that need to be touched. I pray that before we can get out of the parking lot, I pray that before we can ingest our meal, I pray that before we can sit down and watch the ball game, that at some moment you will bring somebody as we're riding down the street, we would be supremely aware of who needs a touch, who needs a touch, who needs a touch, and we will go out of our way and work a miracle. How do we work that miracle? We'll touch people that nobody else will touch in Jesus name in Jesus name we trust you today we thank you today and we praise you today come on would you do this with me on the count of three just repeat after me one two three I will touch somebody today in Jesus' name, amen. If you need special prayer today, you need somebody to believe with you today, our prayer partners are going to be standing in the West Lobby. They are there to pray for you. Before you leave, our ushers are coming right now to give you prayer cards for our miracle service. We want you to take those cards, find friends, family members, relatives, get them to fill them out, and then start bringing them back, and we're going to pray over them together on November the 21st. God bless you. Touch somebody and love somebody today and believe that God is going to work a miracle in their life. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.